Hey guys, before we get into the episode, you all know I'm a huge fan of fashion and I have been ever since I was a little girl. And my first job, by the way, was actually at Macy's. And my love for fashion began when I started there because I worked in the fragrance department, but of course my eye was always on the clothes and the makeup and everything related to style. But here's the thing, my relationship with Macy's didn't end once my days of asking people walking by if they wanted a sample of the latest scents came to an end. Nearly 20 years later, I still find myself choosing Macy's time and time again for literally everything. It's become a really beautiful full circle moment that they've been such amazing supporters of our show for so long. And when it comes to shopping, they have everything you need, whether I need a last minute outfit or Kevin needs a last minute outfit for our friend's wedding. We always head to Macy's. They've got us covered. So if you're in need of some retail therapy, perhaps, or looking to spruce up your home or your lifestyle, check out Macy's friends. I've curated a list of some of my favorite items that have helped me upgrade so many parts of my life, really my fashion the most, but of course home and baby and so much more. So check the link in the description and happy shopping Hill Squad. I'm on a journey to get better in all areas of life, from wellness and mental health to career and relationships and so much more. I know getting better isn't easy, but it's a whole lot easier when you can do it together. Welcome to Better Together with me, Maria Menunos. Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome to Better Together. When you know better, you get better. That is our goal here, our mission every single day. Our quote for today Never stop investing, never stop improving, never stop doing something new. That is from Bob Parsons, Heel Squad. Welcome back to Better Together. We are very excited to be chatting with Vietnam vet, billionaire, entrepreneur, philanthropist, and PTSD and psychedelics healing trauma, I guess, expert at this point because he's healed himself. Um, we're going to be chatting with him today about how psychedelics helped save him, uh, as a returning vet and what he's doing to help other vets, uh, and putting his money where his mouth is very excited to chat with, uh, with Bob Parsons today. Seems like a character. Oh my gosh. I know. I'm really excited. (laughs) He's a character, but he's also, I was reading that Forbes article, Maria, and I was just like every sentence I was like, holy cow, holy cow. Like he's amazing. He's, he's a bad, pretty cool. So, yeah. so this is a guy who bought a Rolls Royce. Like he, he says like, he's kind of like a regular guy. I think he'd be a really good regular guy interview for Kevin, by the way. I know. You know, it's funny. I actually originally had him with Kev. Cause I was like, Oh, oh my God. Funny. Yeah. I was like, Kev, you guys will bond, but Maria, you're going to be amazing with him too. So it's perfect. Well, I love, so he bought a Rolls Royce and then he took the, the emblem off and put a Chevy emblem on it. So and then he still funny. returned it. Oh my God. <laughs> Bob. I was like, that's something Kevin would do. I feel like he I know. put like his Ford Ranger symbol on it or something. So funny. Um, but, uh, you know, I don't know if you guys, uh, have any, uh, experience with, you know, people in the service being in your family. Was your dad in, in the service at all, Kelsey? No, I don't have many at all. I have like friends, close, close friends who had like a lot of my dad's like best friend his whole family. So I get his whole history, but none of mine were. So, uh, my dad was a Lieutenant in the Greek army. That's right. He was. And so he has lots of stories and I have his, uh, his uniform. I wore it for Halloween once. Um, and I think that was when my butt was a little smaller, but 
Oh my God. <laughs> but uh, my dad, you know, served in Greece, but I always felt such a kinship, such a connection to the troops. And years ago I had signed up, uh, actually, no, years ago I had pitched a story to the Today Show to do uh, something in Iraq. And I think it was around young girls in school. Well, that was in Afghanistan. I had pitched that, but then I'd also pitched something else in Iraq and I was going to do these stories. And I'll never forget my executive producer sat me down and, you know, they had the chief of like news sit me down and they're like, so when you get kidnapped, um, we're the ones negotiating your head. It's like, excuse me. (laughs) And, And they're like, yeah, there's no FBI. There's no it's us negotiating your head. And I was like, so you didn't just say if you said when they're like, yeah, when, and I'm like, okay. And I think they were trying to scare me out of wanting to go For sure, because, you know, sometimes when I hire people, I want to scare them away from the job because I don't want the wrong people taking the job. I want the people who aren't afraid to work are going to like jump in and do it. So I used to be like, no, no, this is like really, really hard. And like I'd overdo it to see who could like hang, you know, hang. (laughs) Um, So I think they were doing the same thing with me. And I just left and started studying Krav Maga and Arabic because I was like, well, if I'm going to get kidnapped, I need to be able to negotiate my head. (laughs) Oh, my God. So can you speak any of it? What? Can you speak any? Not now. No, I don't remember anything. (laughs) But you Um, learned a little bit. I love it. But what happened was they they ended up not letting me go. And I was so brokenhearted. And uh, I signed up to do a um, like not a USO tour specifically, not that brand. There was another one. And I went with Kelly Hugh and David Preval from The Sopranos. And uh, I went to Afghanistan for 10 days. And I was like, just so happy. It was such an incredible trip. It was so great to be there with everybody and to feel like, you know, you were... I don't know, helpful, I guess is like kind of the only word, but I I felt like I belonged there. So I would be like unloading planes and helping them in every way I could. And, um, and they would pass you these coins, which meant that they were really grateful for you to, you know, coming and, you know, they'd shake your hand and then you'd get a coin in. Whoa. And I had so many coins. (laughs) It was like so special. And then I remember when I interviewed Brian Weiss, uh, I don't think I've spoken about this interview in this book enough in this, on the show, I interviewed him, uh, as part of my serious XM show when I was transitioning the podcast into the podcast. And so it's really, really back in the files. And, uh, he had written a book called many lives, many masters. And I felt like when I read that book, I was sobbing on a flight from London to LA it just kind of explained life in and all of its mysteries to me at, at once. And I had to do the interview. It was like soon after brain surgery. And we did a little regression, like a past life regression together. And I remember seeing soldier boots on my feet and like, like I was in the desert and stuff. And so I, I feel like now I understand why I love them so much and I feel so connected to them. And I said to them when I was there, I'm like, I would stay, I would totally stay if I could kind of do what I wanted to do. I can't do pushups and stuff. And they would laugh. (laughs) They're like, well, (laughs) I'll I'll do whatever. I just don't want to do that stuff. (laughs) 
death. That's um, wild. Yeah, it was though. funny. The Brian Weiss stuff is like, I'm I'm so moved by it too. Like having just read that book, I think that's so cool. And I've heard you tell that oh, story. Oh, you before. just read it. That's yeah. right. I forgot. Oh, and like I've heard you tell that story before, but now that I've read the book and understand, I'm like, holy cow! Like that's so powerful. So, what did you take from the book? Uh, to be honest, it was like, I always thought that we've lived many lives. And I did, remember I did that session with a friend, it, one of your friends, John McNault, and he kind of went yes. through my past lives. And I felt super connected to a couple things that he said. So this to me just like reinstated that. And it was, it was just really powerful. And just the whole idea of like, we do go somewhere after we die and we do we do live these many lives and we come in soul tribes and you know, that feeling when you feel like you've known someone forever, but you've never met them. Like that's real. And they've probably been in a past life. I just thought it was a really, really powerful book and not super woo woo. I mean, Brian is not a woo woo person. He was just a practitioner that kind of did this fell upon this with his client. Yeah. So I thought that that was very powerful too. I really loved it. I really love yeah, it. Yeah. So basically he, uh, you know, and I haven't read this in so long, so I'm not going to remember like you, but he had a client and this whole past life regression thing just kind of happened with them. And so he went on this ride and then wrote about it and it was really powerful. So we should add that on my website, mariamanunos.com under favorite books, if it's not there, because we might've forgotten that one. I will add it. And just a a little plug actually, because we do have all of my favorite books on there for you to peruse. Um, I only picked my top, top favorites, but listen, sometimes I forget. And this is definitely one of my top, top favorites. Um, Pooja, do you have any experience with, uh, anybody in the, in the service? No, my family wasn't in India. I think, um, like my grandfather's grandfather, but not no one I knew personally. Mm-hmm. But yeah, not not too many friends either. Um, yeah, my neighbor's brother was uh, in the um, uh, Operation Desert, Desert Storm, I think it was, the first war in Iraq. And we were out on the snow mound with our flags on like the main road by our house and people were honking and we would just sit out there like supporting the troops. Oh. I remember that story too, actually. So anyhow. Today, we are going to talk to uh, a very uh, important member of uh, the service. So Bob Parsons is an American entrepreneur, billionaire, philanthropist, possibly best known for being the founder of GoDaddy. He is a U.S. Marine Corps Vietnam vet, a recipient of the Purple Heart Medal, Combat Action Ribbon, and Vietnamese Cross of Gallantry. Bob is a survivor of PTSD, and he's a huge advocate for mental health. Today, he's going to be talking to us about his journey with PTSD and what he found that is working for him and truly changing his life. So we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we will welcome Bob Parsons. Hey, Hill Squad and Better Together fam. It's been a tough year, but we hear from so many of you just how much our content is helping you heal and get better, and it makes us feel so good. Our team works so hard to deliver this life-changing content, and a lot of you guys ask, how can I have a bigger role in our Heal Squad community, or how can I do my part to help Better Together continue to uplift even more people? First of all, thank you for that sentiment, and we're so grateful for this community. If you could help us by giving us a five-star 
rating and a comment on Apple Podcasts. That's amazing. Second, you could join the Better Together with Maria Menounos Instagram page. Third, you could share the show with a friend in need. And finally, for as little as $10 a month, please join our Patreon to get monthly live heal events with world-class healers, ad-free episodes of our show, and even weekly bonus episodes exclusive to Patreon. Getting better isn't easy, but it is a whole lot better when we can do it together. We love and appreciate and are so grateful for all of you. Well, I'm, I'm happy to tell you whatever you want to know. Well, uh, I know that uh, you've had uh, an incredible journey. Um, and, you know, you really are that kind of American dream story coming from nothing and succeeding so wildly. Um, I guess, you know, do you feel like you kind of have it in you all along? It just finally pops out. You know, Maria, this is going to sound uh, very much like a non-answer, but I can tell you that's one thing I never thought about. <laughs> I just thought about what I had to do. You know, I, I, I learned so much as I went through the various tribulations in my life, uh, um, you know, I, I grew up in East Baltimore. Both my parents were gamblers. We had we lived in a in a in a lower class, blue class neighborhood, and uh, I could tell you we were one of the brokest. So uh, we never had any money. Always lots of debt, that sort of thing. Uh, I was terrible in school. Failed the fifth grade. Um, only uh, only, um, but the fifth grade was one of my big learning things, and and the reason it was is because I never had to repeat it. And the reason I didn't have to repeat it is because when report cards were handed out, uh, Sister Brenda was our, our teacher then, and she gave everybody a report card except for me, Frankie, and Anthony. And uh, she said, I'll be back, and uh, I will deal with you guys later. And she took the line out to meet the parents, right? Well, you know, we all, we all had failed. So what I did was I decided I did not want to wait. I didn't want to. I needed a non-free summer. So so I <laughs> when she left, I took off and ran around the whole building and beat them, you know, where they would go around a big corner to get down to where the parents were. And, and I, I knew I knew two things I knew about when they would get there. And I knew that sister Brenda was a very lazy nun. She would never walk the whole way. She'd break off before the corner <laughs> and go back. So I was standing against the wall on his corner when the class line walked around. I fell in back of him, went across the street. My brother was there with my father. He was showing my dad's report card. My dad says, uh, where's your report card? And I said, sister didn't give me one. And actually she hadn't. And then he goes, you didn't get one. I said, yeah, dad, this year, if you, uh, and we're, I can still see him now. We're walking across the street to get to his Rambler. He's got a racing form in one hand, a cigarette in the other. And he says, uh, how come you didn't get one? I said, this year, if you pass, you didn't get a report card. And he goes, he takes the cigarette, flips it into the street. And he says, all right, whatever, get in the car. <laughs> and off we went. So we went to the sporting goods store. He was getting the stuff for uh, passing, you know. He was telling my brother to put some of the stuff back, and and I'm there and sinking in. I said, Dad, I don't need anything. He said, I'll get something. So I got a first baseman's mitt, went home, went through the same thing with Mom, and my mother said, I never heard such a thing. And I said, my call sister. Well, she never did, and Maria, the school never called. Never called. So 
I'm there all summer long. And I'd wake up in the morning and I'd think, oh, man, it's so good. No school. And then it would wash over me. I was on death row. So uh, uh, my buddies would come up to me and they would say, Robert, what's wrong? I said, nothing. He goes, looks like somebody shot your dog. I mean, it's I said, no, everything's fine. Because I knew if I told anybody, be all over the place. So, um, you know, there's a lot more to it. But fast forward to the first day of school. I, I go to school and um, get in line with uh, the sixth graders, which is the rest of my class. You know, St. Elizabeth had one one grade for each year or one class for each year. And uh, Frankie and Anthony were in Sister Brenda's line. <laughs> and uh, so they, they rang the bell and the kindergartners went in first, second, third, fourth. And fifth went in, and and I went in, and this sister that year was Sister St. Thomas. She pulled me out of line, and, and she held me against the wall. Her nose was about an inch from mine, and she says, Sister Brenda told me what you did. And she said, um, she told me that you failed, but you you didn't wait around. You, you, you took off, and, and I was just looking at her, and she says, but she didn't know what to do. So she passed you. <laughs> and then she says, you give me one bit of trouble, you're going right back to the fifth grade. So that's how I made it into the sixth grade with fifth grade skills. Wow. So but, uh, I, would, I was expecting you to say that she was going to put you back in the fifth grade line and say, you got to repeat. No, didn't happen. So... Um, you know, I, and I wish I could tell you I did better that year. I just barely squeaked through to the seventh grade. But what I learned that year is sometimes things just work out if you just hang in there. And I did, and they did. And, you know, you could argue one way or another, but I can tell you, had I not done that, my life probably be completely different. Um, and you, uh, you gambled. Well, you know, you might you might say that I took I took uh, incredible, <laughs> incredible. Yeah, because I was going to ask you how your parents being a ga- being gamblers may have affected you, good or bad, because I feel like just from the research and reading about you, you you do seem like somebody that is not afraid of taking risks. And obviously you took a big risk in the fifth grade. And it worked out. So I wonder if that kind of little gambling thing, uh, in a sense, helped you. Well, you know, that that is one of the the biggest risks that I ever took, which you could quantify as a gambler. Uh, But it's true that my parents are gamblers. But, you know, when when I take a chance, there's a really I believe the odds are in my favor. And so I don't take my chances on a blackjack table or a horse track or that sort of thing where they clearly are not. Um, so so I'm very different than 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 mom and dad were in, in that respect. Um, and then and then the next big uh, learning experience I had is I joined the Marine Corps when I was 17. Uh, my mother had to sign. So I'd get in. I was in high school. I was failing most subjects. And I, I thought for sure I was going to repeat. And I had some buddies uh, uh, come and talk to me after gym one day. And they said, we're going to go talk to the Marine Corps recruiter. Do you want to go? And I said, sure, I'd love to go. We all wound up joining at the same time. And um, uh, I, I remember I, 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 got my, I got my mother to sign for me. 
the drill the recruiters told me, he says, you know, we're going to have to check your grades. And um, I'm going, <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. But, you know, a couple of weeks later, when I came back and got through all the stuff that the, the initial screening stuff the military did, he said to me, Robert, we believe you'll make a fine Marine. And so I, I don't think you checked too close, but uh, <laughs> there you go. And wow. so anyhow, we we um, um, came home. It was three of us. It was me, my buddy Charlie, and my buddy uh, Aggie Sorokas. Uh, sadly, Aggie, uh, I mean, this is East Baltimore. Aggie was stabbed to death during boot leave. So he never even made it to Vietnam. Oh and uh, Charlie and Charlie and I went and, you know, I went to um, 26 Marines and we were Charlie went to a different unit. And and uh, when I when I got to my unit in Vietnam, they were on top Hill 190 in Quangnam province. And it was rice paddies as far as you could see on one side. On the other side, it was jungles and mountains. And um, so uh, I wasn't with my squad long enough to find out that they had uh, just been ambushed. And to a senior man, all the senior guys were killed. When you're on the go 24-7 like me, guys, finding ways to make life easier is so important for my health and sanity. (laughs) And that's exactly what my friends at Macy's do for me. From working there as a teenager to now going to them for so many of my daily essentials, it's been my go-to for so many years. And having everything in one place is such a time saver for me. With being a first-time mom, for a while now, as you know, I've had plenty of those and being able to rely on them for all the things has been amazing. Plus having everything in one place has made being a new mom just a little bit easier for me. So I know we're all focusing on our families, our health, hopefully our jobs and everything in between, but It's time to make your life a little easier. And to help you out, I've curated all of my essentials from Macy's for you and the whole fam. All the details are in the show notes below, or you can just click the link in the description to get your hands on them too. I have some new picks on there. This little bomber jacket, this little black dress. You're going to love it. Uh, So the guy who had been there the longest had been there six weeks. That was the senior man. He just turned 19. Uh, Turned out to be marvelous, by the way. And um, I didn't know it at the time. So I went and sat on this, this wall overlooking overlooking this valley below uh, where we were. And, and, and I remember when I, I, I was there looking, I was thinking, how in the world am I going to survive this? I mean, the guy who has been here the longest has been here six weeks. Everybody else is left in a bag or a stretcher. And um it was uh, it was tough. I you know it was tough to get it through your head, uh, and so um, and and our tour is thirteen months versus the other forces, which were twelve months. That's the Marine Corps, uh, and and so I, I remember I remember thinking, um, uh, you know, it's you know I was I was just this this internal struggle, you know, if I was going to how I was going to get past this. And then it and then it hit me. Something happened to me. And and Marie, I'm telling you, this all went together in about 15 minutes. What occurred to me was I'm not going to I'm not going to make it. This is where I'm going to die. And um, at 18 years old, I accepted that. And when when I accepted that uh, calmness came over me and I mean, and it was just uh 
it just was a quite quite a tra- you know a transformation from the anxiety just a few minutes before and i made myself two promises my first promise was that i would do everything i could to do my job as a as a combat marine to the best of my ability for my buddies that that i that even though i didn't know them yet uh and and the uh, uh people back home and if at all possible I'd be alive for mail call the next morning. So we, I, I seen, I wasn't with the squad for four hours when I seen my first face-to-face combat. Um, and so uh, Marine was hurt horrifically that night. I uh, saved the guy's life that night. And um, what a night it was. The guys whose life I, I saved, uh, uh, he, later he was alive to save mine. And uh, I mean, and that's just the way it worked. The next night, uh, we were uh, walking through some rice paddies, and the point man decided to uh, walk on the rice paddy dike. Now, walking through a rice paddy is a nasty thing. Water's a couple feet deep, and the mud's a couple feet deep, and it's all sorts of vermin and stuff, but mostly it's hard to walk through. So, uh, walking on the rice paddy dikes is easy. North Vietnamese knew it's easy, so that's where the traps were. So uh, uh, Marine got up on the uh, and, and started walking, and um, one five minutes he blew his legs to shreds. And I remember carrying him about a, a mile to the medevac point, and and that's the kind of the way it went. The next night, you know, we uh, sprung an ambush and did what we were there to do, and um, I lasted. One month to the day. And um, uh, I got hurt walking through a, a rice, I mean, a village at night, and I hit a tripwire. And uh, when it was a, uh, a hand grenade, it blew up, blew my pants off, my shirt sleeve off, took shrapnel both legs, left elbow. I remember I reached over to stop the bleeding on, on one, one of my legs, and the joint was outside of the arm. <laughs> I mean, that got my attention. So, oh. so then I was medevac to Japan, and then um, I was there for for a couple of months. And after I was mostly healed, I um, in in the army and the other armed forces, if you were wounded, you were pretty much out of combat if you wanted to be in the Marine Corps three times, of course. Uh, so I was sent back to the bush. And on my way back to the bush, through a number of things happening, I was uh, assigned to uh, Marine Corps intelligence. Now, consider my academic record. I had to be exactly the kind of guy they were looking for. <laughs> <laughs> but I was uh, I did a couple of things. I ran a little printing press and I flew back and forth to Vietnam delivering ord- orders as a courier. Keep in mind there was no uh, there was no internet then or cell phones or anything like that. You had papers you wanted tra- you know, transferred, you you know, you had to carry them. Uh so that was um that, that, that's what I did and um Never went back to combat again. I volunteered to go back to my unit three times, and uh, each time it didn't work out. Uh, the 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 second two times I had a gunnery sergeant in my unit <laughs> look at look at my orders, uh, look at my transfer request. He was the last guy that had to sign off, and he said he he said to me, he says, "What are you going to go back there for?" I said, 
sir, I want to be with the guys I serve with. And, and that's a bond that plays big into PTSD treatment for veterans. I said, I mm-hmm. just want to be with them. And he said, you've already done what you, you know, what you need to do. I said, sir, I want to, I, I want to be with them. And he says, denied, you'll get yourself killed, tore it up twice. Wow. I, it's unbelievable to think like your day one and day two, you're already seeing such horrific things. It's, that's like a lot. Well, let me, let me give you an example the war in Vietnam, the war in Vietnam, the scope of it is so much larger than, uh, than, than one would tend to think. And, um, the, the war in Afghanistan, which is no joke, right? Those guys that served there, uh, man, they did their job. Average casualties a week was 150 killed or wounded both sides. Which one? Huh? In which war? Afghanistan. The okay. Afghanistan war, which ended just recently. And then uh, in Vietnam, when I was there, that number was 32,000 a week. Oh, my. Yeah, because war is different now. Yeah. Well, it was it was it was different then compared to what we have now for weapons. We might as well had swords back then. But yeah, uh, I went and visited the troops in Afghanistan and I drove the first MRAP that they got. I mean, they have so much more equipment now than, you know, you guys had. It's it's a different thing. It's wild to hear those numbers. Yes, it's it's unbelievable. Unbelievable. It really is unbelievable. I um one of the things I had a friend of mine just tell me about the Vietnam War and other guys served there, the squad leaders, as a matter of fact, the guy that was there six weeks. He said during the first world war, I mean, there were more Marine Corps casualties during the Vietnam War than during the first two world wars. Wow. Yeah. So, I mean, it was, it was no joke. It was, you know, I mean, it was, it was the real thing. And uh, so eventually when I came home, I was a different guy in a lot of ways. Uh, When I, before I went there, I mean, I was pretty happy go lucky, uh, irresponsible. I'd say I wanted to be, you know, like to be around people like to do things and so forth. Um, When I came back, I was completely different in good ways and bad ways. First, the good way is um, uh, I worked as a, a, a laborer in a steel mill for a year, and then I decided to go to college. And um, I went to the University of Baltimore because they had a deal for veterans. You just needed to finish high school. Your grades didn't matter. No entrance exams. You know, pretty much all you needed was, uh, was the GI Bill. And uh, so I did that. Uh, studied accounting, graduated magna cum laude. Uh, I mean, yeah, no, nobody, <laughs> nobody could believe it. And then I, because well, you have a new discipline that you have, right? There's a discipline oh, that you didn't have before that now you just get when you're in the Marine Corps. No, no. What the, what the Marine Corps taught me, the Marine Corps taught me discipline and and responsibility but discipline not in the sense of punishment but although there was plenty of that okay for but you discipline in the sense that if you have a job to do you got to have the backbone to do it 
doesn't matter if you like it or not, you have to honor your responsibilities for the people that are counting on you. So, so that's the discipline that they got through my head. And they also taught me two different, two other things. First, they taught me, I could do so much more than I thought I could. And they taught me I had a right to be proud. Mm. So that translated to me graduating magna cum laude, passed the CPA exam the first time. I um, um, went ahead and after after passing the CPA exam, you know, always had a business on the side. In addition to my job, I was a worker bee. And uh, I um, uh, started three businesses that, that turned out to be something. One of them was... Um, uh, Parsons Technology, my first software company. I invested forty thousand in that and sold it for sixty-four million. Go, Daddy! I came a whisker. I mean, the skin of my teeth close to going broke, but didn't. Hung in there like I did on the fifth grade and in Vietnam. And I, um, uh, I um, wound up making a couple billion dollars on that deal. And now I have 14 businesses and all sorts of things. And uh, the most notable, which is PXG, we make golf equipment. We make the finest golf clubs in the world. Uh, so, uh, so, so that's kind of the, that's the good part. All right, friends, let's talk about something we all do. Snack. Trust me, I've definitely overindulged in the past, but as you know, I am focused on my health these days. And I think I found the healthier snack that you don't have to lose out on the flavor. And it's definitely become my go-to. It first came into the house because of Kevin. He was obsessed with wonderful pistachios. And then I got addicted. And now it's in my travel bag. I don't leave home without it. It's in our glove compartments because they don't melt. Right now, my favorite flavor is the sweet chili flavor. It feels like some of the naughtier kind of snacks I used to use where I used to lick my fingers after. Now I lick them and I feel safer. Um, plus, Wonderful Pistachios is one of the highest protein nuts. Each one ounce serving has six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. That's crazy, guys. So if you're looking for the perfect snack, trust me and head over to www.wonderfulpistachios.com to snag a bag of Wonderful Pistachios. You're going to love them. I remember my mom always struggling with her hair. It's Frizi Maria, my mom would say in her Greek accent. Tiehis, what do you have? I tried so hard to find her products. I wish I could share these products I'm using now with her because I know she would be so happy to finally have good hair days. I've always believed that hair is a woman's best accessory. And with Way's new anti-frizz cream, you can ensure that your hair always looks its best without the frizz stealing the spotlight. It's a lightweight cream that not only provides immediate frizz control, but also helps prevent heat damage. And get this, it lasts up to 72 hours. That's three whole days of frizz-free, gorgeous hair. Way seriously has some of my favorite products for taming the frizz. Pro tip, one of my biggest discoveries is using the Way hair oil on the ends of my hair before I dry it. Let me tell you, it's a game changer. Once it's dry, my hair looks so smooth and polished. I don't even need to do anything else. It is incredible. I love it. Frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to the Way, T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com and enter the promo code Heel Squad for 15% off any product. That's the Way, T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com, promo code Heel Squad. Trust me, you won't regret it. Good to know. I might be joining, I might be moving to a golf course. So now I know what golf clubs to get if I'm going to start learning to play golf. <laughs> well, there you go. Yeah. 100%. PXG. Yeah. All right. We'll take good care of you, Maria. <laughs>
Now, after, after, you know, that, you know, I came home, there was a lot of changes in me that weren't so good. Um, I had a, uh, I had a flash temper. I had, um, didn't want to be around people. Uh, didn't want to go anywhere. Um, I, um, was depressed every once in a while. I'd have all that stuff come up in the background and I just by myself, I just push it down the way most vets do. If I cried, if I'd make sure I was alone and I just dealt with it. And I could tell you in some ways, the PTSD probably contributed to me, you know, having, you know, what success I've had. Oh, you're but, making me cry. Damn. <laughs> but, but in other ways, it made it made my life and those, the life for those around me much more difficult. Um, it most certainly cost me two marriages. And uh, my third wife, who I'm married to now, Renee, is the love of my life. And um she stuck with me like you can't imagine. Now, the turning point for all this for me was the big turning point was I read Michael Pollan's book, How to Change Your Mind. And boy, did that make a difference. I mean, it, I mean, at least it provided hope. And I, I had never taken psychedelics, you know, you know, I, th- I thought like most people do, if, if, you know, if you take a psychedelic, the person next to you turns into a snake or something like that, what I thought now, <laughs> but um, so, so anyhow, so I told her, I said, I, I'd like to try it. And um, um, I'd like to try it. And she had me hooked up with two people to to guide me through it within two weeks. Tell me I didn't have an issue. So so she had she hooked me up, and and I I met with these people in Hawaii, and and uh, I took psychedelics three days over a period of four days, and it was all guided. It was not an easy thing, and it was and- microdosing, right? No, no, no. No, oh, was I the was, full. I was much more than microdosing. I needed a, I needed a steamroller. So, <laughs> so I, um, uh, <laughs> first day I, 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 I took ayahuasca, and um, that did what it did. The next day, and and I, I have this constitution that, that psychedelics they work, but they don't affect me. And like uh, and hallucinations, all the stuff like they do other people, right? And and I don't know why, but that's just the way it is. So, uh, my guide fixed this pot of tea uh, made of uh, uh, psilocybin, and he said I made it very strong, so you'll just need one cup. So I I, I drank that one cup, wind up drinking all three cups, and ate the tea bags. Um, and I still, you know, I, you know I, I, I had a righteous buzz going and, uh, you know, we did a lot of talk and a lot of tears and so forth. And um, the next day I took off and the final day I took LSD. And after that, people could not believe the change in me. I mean, I was always described as the most intense person they've ever met. Right. 
and um, uh, because of the PTSD, and and I was, um, uh, you know, all of a sudden I was kind. I was willing to listen. My temper was gone. You know, I enjoyed being with other people. I mean, all those things that were absent. Maria, it had been 48 years since the war, and I finally came home. Wow. So this was during your GoDaddy time, probably. No, I think it was uh, it was after that. I might have still been after. So you were succeeding wildly despite the PTSD. Yes. And then you found yourself after. Mm-hmm. Wow. Wow. You white knuckled a lot. Oh, I did. I did. And and I can tell you, you know, I've often thought about how much of it was um, was the PTSD, my success. And I can tell you, our my businesses are moving like they like they always have. But the big difference is people enjoy working with me more. <laughs> I'll tell you, I understand the feeling in, in a different way. My um my husband, I recently started these uh, new meditations. It's more than meditation. It's about transformation. It's a, a man called Dr. Joe Dispenza. If you haven't heard of him, you should look him up. It's pretty profound. And my husband's like, what alien took my wife? And who are you? Because you're waking up very happy every day and you're super positive and everything is can do. And I'm like, I white knuckled forever. And now I feel so free and so good. Everyone finds their thing or finds their way. Uh, but I understand that kind of feeling. Feels good. Well, you know, I um, uh, help now is I help a number of veterans when I'm uh, aware that they have an issue. And um, I do it now using all the legal legal remedies that are available. And and some work pretty well. Some work pretty well. The one that I like I, what? Well, one of them is an SGB block, a Stella ganglium block uh, where, um, you know, PTSD is primarily centered around uh, the amygdala in the front of your brain. And people that have PTSD, uh, they tend to, when when they're in a stressful situation, uh, they tend to uh, release far more adrenaline than somebody that doesn't, and, um, and epinephrine and uh, cortisol is the thing our body uses to to slow it down. They release less cortisol than someone that doesn't, and uh, so so they have a much different time dealing with it, and and uh, they tend to lose their temper more and and that sort of thing. And and the thing that I try to get across to to the people that I talk to is is you may think it's you, and and it is physically you, but you're not throwing the switches here. You know, you, you, you got to get this handled and, and then you'll be at diff- you'll be who you should be. Uh, okay. So, so what the stellar ganglion block does is knowing that the amygdala communicates th- to the body through the stellar ganglion nerves in the neck. Um, they doctors will take and use um, like the big brother, a lidocaine and use an ultrasound they inject it in the neck next to the uh, stellar ganglion nerves, and it numbs the nerves. And when it does, the amygdala goes offline. And when it goes offline, um, a couple things happen. First, usually they get a droopy right eye. They talk like a pirate. Uh, 
right? And 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 that sort of thing. And then a couple of hours later, when the when the anesthetic wears off, the amygdala reconnects and it reboots. And it oh, reboots wow. and it reboots and many times close to the way it should be. And the difference for people doing that is profound uh, because they're feeling the way they should be without PTSD. How and, long does uh, it take to get that result? Um, 10 minutes. Wow. As a first-time mom with a baby, I'm always on the go, whether it's running errands, getting my coffee, going to doctor's appointments, or just spending quality time with little Athena. And that's why I rely on wonderful pistachios to keep me fueled and ready for anything, no matter where I am. Kevin even keeps us bag stashed in the nursery. <laughs> you know, for the nighttime hunger moments. Wonderful pistachios comes in a variety of flavors and sizes, making them the perfect snack to have literally any time, whether I'm enjoying them during a quick break in between taping this show or I'm on the go and it's in the diaper bag. I do carry it in my travel bag and they're in my car. At this point, when I'm leaving the house, I think keys, wallet, wonderful pistachios. <laughs> <laughs> Bonus, Wonderful Pistachios is one of the highest protein nuts with six grams of protein in every one ounce serving. So on top of all that, they keep me feeling satisfied. I'm energized while I'm juggling all this crazy stuff in life. Next time you're looking for a convenient and guilt-free snack, head over to www.wonderfulpistachios.com and stock up on your favorite flavors today. Minus the sweet chili. And, you know, see, here's the thing. I know that, you know, a lot of times for for most of us, matter of fact, I'd say for all of us, life in itself is stressful. And there's moments when we have to reconcile with each other and deal with stuff that upsets us. And God forbid, you know, stuff like accidents or being a victim of crime or being in a, in a combat situation that throws you into PTSD. So we all have it to a certain degree. Mm -hmm. Well, this SGB block works so good and make such a difference. I have many people who didn't think they had anything do it, and what a difference it makes. They lose their temper less at work. They're easier to work with. They have better ideas. So the majority of my staff has all had it done, and there's only one downside with it. It'll, it usually lasts six months to a year or two years. You have to do it again. And and so they do it again. And they And be honest with you, they come and ask me. You know, I think I'm ready. And I said, let's go do it. Right. And uh, and where do you go to do this? Well, there's uh, uh, there's a business called SGB Centers. Uh, I use uh, 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 a friend of mine, Dr. Peter Lynch and his business. He's been doing it for 15 years. Now, the problem with this and why you don't hear about it is um, like so many things, a big pharma cannot make any money on it. Why? Well, because number one, it's pretty much a doctor's procedure. Uh, oh. It is uh, pretty much, um, uh, well, it's, it, and, and it just hasn't become uber popular. Now, that that's starting to change. But I, I, I think the uh, pharmaceutical stuff like the, the lidocaine, they use like $15 or $20 worth of that. So there's no money in it. So how do they administer this? Well, it's usually in a, in a very sterile place, looks like an operating room. Uh, they, they have an ultrasound machine there. 
they screen the patients well to make sure they're good candidates and um and it's done and uh, the the crazy part about it is i just had it done again for about the fourth time or fifth time and uh each time the guy finishes and i don't even know he started he goes okay we're done i mean it is it is but what do they do they inject you with something yeah yeah they inject you with a um uh, an anesthetic, which is like a little stronger than lidocaine, right next to the nerves, and the anesthetic numbs the nerves, and it uh, and that's how it causes the amygdala reset. SGB block. It's like trauma Botox. <laughs> well, you, you know what? I've never looked at it that way, but I'm going to tell him you said that. Yeah, that's what it feels like. Um, and, you know, and I can have, you know, I mean, we, I've, I've sent people there for all sorts of stuff. You know, I sent uh, a, a little girl there who couldn't sleep, couldn't study, couldn't do anything because when she was a few years younger, she had cancer, went into remission. And now she spent all her time worried about getting cancer again, completely removed it, completely removed it. Now she's yeah. a star pupil, happy as can be. I mean, one, one uh, lady that I helped uh, was, uh, um, uh, relative to one of the people that I work with, uh, uh, she was it was an, a victim of an attempted rape, and uh, she was able to fight it off, but it, it really rocked her, and so this gave her her life back. Um, wow. And I mean, and and on and on, and many veterans. Uh, another group of people I help is NFL football players uh, uh, for the CTE that they're dealing with, and so forth. This goes a long way to helping them. Wow. Yeah. And so the only side effect you've seen is the, the droopy face and that goes away. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and a few hours. Oh, okay. Well, I got a brain tumor, so I don't know if I'm going to mess with that because <laughs> it's, it sounds a little scary, but I, I love that there's something that can kind of reboot you. And you said, that's the legal stuff what's the illegal stuff is ayahuasca technically illegal ayahuasca is uh, i believe it's uh, uh, all the psychedelics are uh with the exception of hape which is primarily nicotine mm-hmm. and, and other amazonian herbs that's not illegal um if you want to consider it a psychedelic um then uh, uh but the but the rest you know uh uh MDMA, magic mushrooms, uh, OSD, ayahuasca, um, uh, DM, 5DMAO3 or whatever that's called. Uh, you know, they're, I, I think they're all Schedule 1. Oh, wow. Which and makes so you, no sense. Yeah. But, but that's another story. So you also are funding research that has already passed phase three or it's in phase three? I, I believe it's in phase three. We're doing that with uh, MAPS and um, uh, Rick Doblin, who's one of my heroes and all of this. Uh, so, you know, we're working with uh, trying to, we tried, we, we help fund the next field trials for MDMA, which we hope will be the ones that pushes it over the top. And hopefully that'll happen next year. And if it does, it's a game changer. It's a total game changer. And uh, I mean, to take uh, this can take somebody, a veteran 
with classic PTSD, right? I mean, untreatable PTSD and cure it in three sessions. I just got the chills all the way down my body. Yeah, and that'll do it 67% of the time. And the ones that are completely cured are significantly cured. Wow. I see the goosebumps. Um, So phase three is what, that's the final stage before you get FDA clearance. Well, I think so, yes. So that means you're hoping next year you'll have FDA clearance to be able to start treating soldiers uh, with PTSD. Yeah, uh, in in a therapeutic situation. Now, um, one thing to point out about psychedelics in this here is this psychedelic, the therapy does the healing. The guide does the healing. Uh, The psychedelic makes it possible. So, I mean, so if somebody wants to say, well, you know, I want to try that, and they go out, get some mushrooms, just take them and sit in a closet for six hours, you know, they're, they're not going to be a different person. So you need the therapy and, uh, you know, some of the stuff just needs to come out. And I mean, I, I, I can remember some of the stuff um, when I was uh, when I was being treated. I. With mushrooms, I cry. I don't ever remember crying that hard. And afterwards, it was only one thing I was sure of. I didn't want to go through that again because it was like, oh, but since that happened, the whole issue doesn't bother me anymore. I have the memory and I can discuss it, but it doesn't affect me like it like it used to. And and then. So, yeah, explain to me for someone who's listening what the difference is when you say you have to do the therapy. What's the difference between someone going and doing maybe the protocol you did ayahuasca first? And then the other things that led up to LSD, um, what's the difference between doing it on their own and then doing it? And how did you do it? That was different. There was a therapist there that did well, what? It's a guide. I, I'd say mine were more guides. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, but they, they have been through it many times. And, you know, at, at, at the end of the day, the psychedelics make you open to experiencing the issues again and doing it with a guide and getting to the, the, the meat of it where you need to, you know, you need to cauterize the wound. I mean, that's, that's, that's what you need to do. And um, to just, you, you can't do it by yourself. And uh, you know, and you know, maybe, maybe somebody can, and I'm not aware of it, but you can't do it by yourself. And then the other thing is, is there's a, as Michael Pollan will gladly point out, there's a number of ways that it could go south if you're not a right candidate for this here. And if that starts to happen, it's best to have an experienced guide with you to get you through it. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so I think just to do it on your own is uh is kind of ex-nay yeah yeah i uh i would agree and i would assume so i just want to make sure it's clear for people who are listening that that's uh it's definitely the way to go now one of the things if if you're open to it i would like to talk about ptsd and how it differs and it is almost completely different 
for veterans than it is for civilians. That's so funny because I was going to ask you that earlier. What is the difference? Well, you know, I I think there's 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 four big differences. Now, one uh, I'll point out. I was talking with a, a dear friend of mine, Dr. Rachel Yehuda, today, and she heads up the Mount Sinai Center for Psychedelic Healing. She's chief psychiatrist. Um, uh, I like her so much. Our foundation gave them a five million dollar grant to help them develop the, a program for veterans. And she specializes with veterans. Uh, but what she told me was way back when, when it, it came out that uh, PTSD was something that we need to deal with, the, the, the Veterans Administration, and again, and this is not on them, it's just no way of knowing, used the, P, the, the therapy that was given to rape victims which is which is a horrific, got to be a horrific uh, uh, mental trauma to suffer, mm-hmm. and um, uh, and and so the the therapy they came up with worked great for them, didn't work at all for for veterans, and and some of the reasons there were is for example, uh, most victims of civilian trauma. Uh, they they want to be like they were before the event. They want to be like the way they were before the event. Now, veterans are proud of what they've done, and they're proud of their training as 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 a group. And a veteran will rarely say that because they're proud of the training they have and what they did in the military. A civilian. PTSD sufferer doesn't want to experience anything again like like what happened that caused their their PTSD that traumatic event most of the guys in the military combat veterans would do it again all right um most veterans are not treatable or it's very difficult to treat them uh, by someone who is not a veteran and has no idea what they went through. And part of that is because, uh, uh, you know, the veterans go through and get their experience as a group. And um, as they do that in combat, there are many moral dilemmas or moral choices that you have to make in a moment's notice that for somebody who, who wasn't there, Literally, it's it's not possible to understand. And uh, when when you add to that fact, okay, that it's not possible to 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 understand, um, the veteran will always default to protecting his fellow veterans and not do anything that'll that'll get them in a situation that he'd rather they not be, particularly if that individual's the cause of it. So the veteran won't even talk about it. Um, and uh, it is, I mean, it is, it is something. I mean, you know, I'll, I'll give you an example of a, of a moral dilemma. I was, uh, eventually I was walking point one time and point is you're walking first in your, your formation. And we're going through a village and it's at, at sunset, past sunset, just the last twinkles coming through the trees. And I'm walking through these bushes that are overgrown. 
and all of a sudden this 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 noise of somebody moving at me really quick happens and i had my rifle down where i was looking for traps threw my rifle up took it off safe and came this close to pulling the trigger it was a young boy getting water home for the night when he probably was out goofing around doing something he shouldn't and and there he was and and um maria didn't shoot him now i've thought about that a million times and uh had that been an enemy soldier i would have been dead now as 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 i review it that is one of the wonderful things God did for me that I didn't shoot him because I don't have that on my memory. And I've thought about, you know, I wonder what he's doing today. And for sure, no matter what he's doing, if he's still alive, he remembers me. Hmm. So, so there you go. But I mean, that's the type of stuff. And let's yeah. say that, that I did shoot him. Right. Then you, you see, right. You yeah. see, how that's a dilemma. Yep. Yeah, you don't. You just don't want to talk about it, right? Um, the because well, no one would understand. It, there you go. No, because they weren't there. Yeah, they just you're right. possibly. And I mean, of course, you don't want to shoot a kid, right? Of course, you don't. But in combat, sometimes you don't know it's a kid. You know. Yeah. Um. So um, the other thing is, is most civilian trauma happens by their self, the individuals alone, maybe in a group, but the group that it happens to was not a group before. In veterans, it happens in a group, the combat you experience, the guys you serve with, but you were a group before that happened. And also when it happened again and again and again and again. And that's why veterans are most effectively treated by veterans that have the same experience and and that may that may work well for i mean that that probably also works well for sufferers of civilian trauma but it's particularly important for veterans so that's the four differences wow it makes a lot of sense and i never thought about it from all those different angles that's that's what our dear friend Rachel Yehuda has developed at Mount Sinai. God bless her. Well, I uh, I'm looking forward to hearing good news on the uh, advancement of the trial and to be able to help all of these soldiers and and uh, servicemen and women who are affected so deeply by PTSD because it it affects their ability to work. I mean, obviously you were able to white knuckle through it, but so many people are jobless, then they become homeless and it's a real downward spiral and they could be incredibly contributing members of our society. And if they got the help that they needed. Well, that's true. It's 100% true. Um, you know, I was, I was fortunate. I was jackpot lucky because um, the way I, I, Managed my PTSD is I buried myself in my work, and I got when I was working at at, at uh, Parsons Technology, I did everything plus wrote the code. I used to work sixty hours straight, and um, I mean I come to work let's say Monday morning at eight, I work through Tuesday morning at eight, 
Wednesday morning at eight. And Wednesday morning at eight at night, I'd about then I'd start to hallucinate. Ah, do you think work-life balance would have led you to be a billionaire? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> it must be hilarious for you to hear everybody say, I think I need work-life balance. And you're like, I worked 60 hours straight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, go for it. There you go. That's so funny. 60 hours, man. Yeah. You can't, I don't, I don't think you can accomplish um great things unless you put the work in at some point. I think at some point you can you can maybe lessen things. Like I think everything I've read about you and how you manage for I think it was 14 different companies. Yes. Is because you have managers that you trust and you allow them to do their thing. Um, so you can now enjoy your weekends and go golfing. Maybe you weren't doing that in the early years, right? Not at all. Not, yeah. not, not at all. Yeah. Nope. Nope. So, um, you know, one of the things that I always gives me a, spa, a smile is when I hear somebody say, you know, I work smart, not hard. Well, the thing I know is the person that works smart usually works for somebody that works hard. <laughs> and, uh, that's hilarious. That's the way it is. Yeah. Yeah. So, so since we have you and you do have so many great, uh, managerial tips, um, give us your top tips in, in managing. Well, your, your top tips, first of all, the number, the number one thing is why you're doing what you're doing. So I always, um, say you need to do something that you like. And, um, and uh, matter of fact, my father always used to tell me, when you love something, it tells you all its secrets. To me, I was, I was, I was just blessed to find uh, uh, computer science with microcomputers. I mean, I did that. I'm all self-taught. And, um, you know, while, you know, other people would buy the computers and buy software, which I do now, right, back then. I bought it and I wrote the code for whatever I wanted it to do because because I loved it and I I got to know it well and that was the foundation for my first business and then it uh, also dovetailed into and and into GoDaddy but the first thing is 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 to love what you're doing the second thing is if you're starting a business you're starting a business that you're doing it for the right reason if you do it to make money. If that's the only reason, you don't stand a chance. You got to be doing it because you really want to do something special and you want to make a difference. And if you do that, and that's truly why, you almost can't fail because you're doing it. You're you're doing it for all the right reasons, and that'll get noticed. The next thing is is from a management standpoint, there's two groups of people that you need to to make enthusiastic about what you're doing. The first group and the most important group, believe it or not, is not the customer. The first group is the employees. The employees have got to believe in what you're doing, and it is the employees that will be enthusiastic with the, the, the people, the customers they come in contact with. And what do we know about enthusiasm? Enthusiasm is uh, it's contagious. And we always love when we come across it. So, so you know, those things are, are rather simple. But 
profound. I mean, and they do make a big difference. And then beyond that, there's a million other things. Uh, it's like uh, the person that knows the most about their business usually wins. Um, if something's not managed, it'll deteriorate. So if you if you have an area of your business you haven't looked at for a while, I'll tell you what, go look at it. You you you'll find you got a lot of problems to fix. I mean, it's stuff like that. Yeah. I uh I think what was the show? There was a show recently where you got to see a lot of what you're saying. It was the guy who invented um the we workspaces. Work, we crashed. We work. Yeah. Or we crashed. Did you see we crashed by chance? I didn't know. I'm so it was fascinating because you see how they all were in this company because they loved it and they were excited by it and all of that. And then, uh, and they had enthusiasm. Everybody who worked there had this enthusiasm. Um, and so what you're saying, we got to see in that show, which was really cool. Great. Good. Well, yeah. I mean, I mean, what I'm telling you is very real and when yeah. it exists, it makes for a very strong venture. And when it doesn't, it's um, difficult. Yeah. yeah. Much more than it would be otherwise. And you obviously, uh, I know you're funding MAPS, but I heard that you also donate uh, a very large sum of money every two weeks. Is it true that you're you're donating $2 million every two weeks? No, we we, well, I wish I did. And I will one day. But um, we we don't we move to charity a million dollars every fourteen days. Oh well, <laughs> not too shabby. <laughs> I was close. No, it is it is the most rewarding thing that I do, and um, most of it goes to uh, well, not I'd say a, a significant portion goes to uh, military causes to help. Uh, the Semper Five Fund for Injured Marines, America's Fund for members of all the rest of the militaries. Um, we help with uh, suicide prevention. We help uh, an organization, organizations that are having a hard time. Uh, tough being a cop these days, I got to tell you. Uh, so, so we're, we're, we're helping them and, you know, with the idea, the, uh, you know, we, we shouldn't defund them. What we should do is make them better. You know, and and just like everybody else, they got the same problems we do. So let's let's take some of that burden off their shoulders, right? Yeah. Where where you know they're who we want them to be. Uh, so so we do that. We we do a lot of work with organizations that uh, cannot raise money because of their cause, but yet it's a popular cause. Uh, mm -hmm. some of them are, uh, like for example, um, uh, you get, um, you know, in, in Arizona, uh, the fact that someone's here, uh, illegally or undocumented is a very controversial thing. Uh, but, uh, you know, at the end of the day, this is America and they are people. So and and, uh, you know, the way I look at it, they are people that are willing to risk their life to be here that have strong family units. Isn't that what we need? But anyhow, uh, I digress a little. Yeah. But but our country was you know, built on know, immigrants when Just when they're, when 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 they're undocumented and they um, uh, get a job, they make nothing. They make nothing. 
And yet there's a whole society, the whole economy that preys on them. They pay higher prices and so forth. So a big question is, they get a job, what happens to the kids? Well, the organization we fund watches them. So they drop the kids off in the morning. The kids are taught English and Spanish and history and have fun and um, uh, have a couple square meals. So at the end of the day, when they pick the kid up, the kid is a little bit better than when they dropped them off. And uh, so when the day comes, when those kids become Americans, and that's what they want to be, they'll be good Americans. I think they'd be good Americans anyhow, but they'll be better Americans. So that's one of the organizations we support. We support another one called One in Ten, where all too often, if if parents find out that one of their children is gay, they're out on the street, you know, they turn their backs on them. Well, this organization finds those kids, gives them a place to stay, teaches them that they're part of the American dream, and um, you know what makes things better. Mm. So that's the type of stuff we do, free arts for abused children. I mean, on and on and on. Or, yeah, so so that, that's the type of stuff that we do. I love it. Maybe pediatric cancer will be in your future. I hear that they're so underfunded because it's such a small group. And I see these kids in the hospital and it breaks my heart. Well, I'll tell you what, put them in touch with me if you're in touch with them. And uh, we'll help them in some way. Okay. I will put that on my, at the top of my to-do list. <laughs> All right. Thank you. Uh, Bob, you are uh, incredible. I think your story is incredible. I love that you bought, by the way, this is my other favorite because my husband's very similar. Uh, I love that you bought, again, you have to t- confirm, these are stories we hear online, but I heard you bought a Rolls Royce, took the emblem off and put a Chevy emblem on it. Well, well, here's the deal. Tell here's me the, the story. Well, here, <laughs> here's the story. Lord have mercy. I, 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 I bought a Rolls Royce. I got a deal on it. Now, I drive Chevys, right? And I identify with Chevy. I mean, and that's that's who I am, you know. Um, um. So, I had I had the thing for a while, and I, I just uh. Could not bring myself to say I drove Rolls Royce. So what I did was I replaced all the badging with Chevy badging. Now, what happened was, what happened was, is that was just when PXG was starting and the Rolls and Bentley offered the Bentley company offered a set of golf clubs and Rolls Royce reached out to us and wanted to know if I'd be open to um, uh, doing something for them. And my wife goes, Oh, show them your Chevy. <laughs> Did you show them? Well, no, I changed it back. <laughs> I changed it back to a Rolls. And 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 God being what he is, you know, I sometimes think he's a prankster. Rolls Royce said, uh, you know, we're not going to do this. We'll go a different way. <laughs> so then what did you do? Sold it. <laughs> Bye, Rolls Royce. <laughs> And, I, and I'll tell you what, right now, I drive an Escalade, and I drive a um, uh, a Chevy Blackwing, and um, that's it. I had you pegged for a Silverado. Well, I got one on order. 
You do? Takes a while to get one these days. Yeah. Hey, I was like, he's a Silverado guy. I can tell. And I also have a Ford Bronco. And that's nice. um, and that's about as far as I'm going to stray. That's cool. We're jealous in here. It. We want the Bronco. There you go. Do you have a new Bronco or an old Bronco? New one. Oh, okay. The new ones are cool. I just drove in one recently. It's really nice. I'm a Jeep girl, so I like the Jeep. Well, there you go. I mean, they're yeah. all they're all wonderful. I like. Uh, I've I, I just had a Chrysler Durango and and uh, uh, sold it and or traded it in rather. And uh, you know, I, I I like all three of our car companies. They're good. We should be proud of them. But um, me, there's something in my DNA that says Chevy. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Are you a Bud Light guy too? Uh, well, actually. Yeah, I mean, I'll drink anything, though. Are you a beer guy? Uh, no. No? no? I'm not a beer guy. I'm not a wine guy. I, really? Uh, I drank a little whiskey and uh, just had my knee. I just had my knee um, uh, a total a total replacement on my knee. And um, uh, I would always have a whiskey or two with dinner. And... What happened was because of the way all this does, I developed gout in the other knee. And I'm telling you, that was one of the most brutal four or five days I've ever been through. And uh, to be honest with you, Marie, I haven't had a drink since. It's been about two months. Yeah, you have to be on a good anti-inflammatory diet probably, right? Well, you know, I I, I did that. I I just think I I just didn't drink enough water. So, I mean. You sound yeah. like you sound like my wife Renee. You know she wants to fix every aspect of my life. <laughs> you That's what her. we do here on our show. When you talk about doing something you love and having a mission and a passion, that's what Better Together is all about. I always say it's a lot easier if we do it together. So we're on the journey to getting better in all areas of life with a health so, and wellness focus. So right now, the the hardest thing I drink is lemonade. Okay. There you go. Very nice. Very nice. Well, uh, if you're ever in LA, I'll make you fresh lemonade from my trees. Oh, right. that sounds good to me. I got my fresh trees. We'll get Miss Gruber over and we'll have some fresh lemonades. All right. That sounds good. Sounds well, good. Bob, it was lovely chatting with you. Lovely meeting you. Uh, Bob is everything I thought he was going to be. I love him. I just want to sit and listen to his stories all day, every day. He's such a sweet, sweet man. And like, oh my gosh, those stories. I knew some of them reading that <laughs> Forbes article, but like the first couple nights, all like, could you imagine? Oh my no. God. No, no, I know. That's that's a, a, a lost generation. Those yeah. are those are people that just don't exist anymore. I know. I, Holy I cow. think. I mean, I mean, they do. I don't want anybody like sometimes I <laughs> Yeah, yeah. No, I get what you know. you're saying. You yeah. know what I'm saying. I do. It's I do. uh Oh man, I I was I couldn't stop crying at one point. I know, I know. He was telling I forget what part he was. Oh, and he you could tell when he got emotional, and then I would mm-hmm. lose it. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so I don't feel like I've cried in a long time. But man, he Bob Parsons made me cry many times today. Bob, I know. So, um, but it's so cool yeah, what he's and doing I, now too. Like just how amazing. The what? Just what he's doing now and like what he's funding and just, I just think that that's so cool. It's like someone who has the money he has, it's like he's, I love that he's just paying it forward and giving it back and putting it into what he believes. And 
truly changing the world. I think that's really amazing. Yeah, I agree. It was really, really special to hear about those organizations that are getting money. I mean, a million dollars every 14 days. Holy cow. (laughs) And how, how cool when you asked him about early on when he was like, Oh, I haven't even thought about like being successful or whatever. I'm just like, dang, okay, Bob, like what? That was wild. But I think he meant that it was never in his head for him. He was always just thinking about doing, not kind of thinking. Yeah. Right. I think that was his, my understanding of what he thought. Uh, Anyhow, friends, we will put uh, info on Bob uh, in the summary below this. Um, If you haven't already hit subscribe on YouTube, please do and join us on this journey. Uh, Leave us an Apple podcast review if you can. They really, really light up our days. And we're so grateful to all of you who share how this show uh, makes you feel, has impacted you or inspired you maybe to take care of your health a little bit more. Um, you can check out the website, mariamenunos.com for the daily life hacks blogs, where we share kind of the aha moments of each episode so that you can just listen freely and enjoy. Um, and I want to welcome our new Patreon members. We have, uh, some new Patreon members that joined recently, and, uh, we're really excited to have you guys on board and, uh, enjoying our monthly heal events. If you haven't joined us, you can through the summary of this episode for $10 a month, you get ad-free episodes and the heal events every month on zoom with us, where we all get to see each other, connect with each other and benefit from the incredible, uh, practitioners and healers and people you see on this show every day in a more intimate way where you can engage with them. So join us through the link in, uh, the summary, or you can go to better together with Maria on Instagram and just click that link as well. In the meantime, be nice people, make good choices and be present. This podcast and all related content published or distributed by or on behalf of Maria Menunos or mariamenunos.com is for informational purposes only and may include information that is general in nature and that is not specific to you. Any information or opinions expressed or contained herein are not intended to serve as or replace medical advice, nor to diagnose, prescribe, or treat any disease, condition, illness, or injury, and you should consult the healthcare professional of your choice regarding all matters concerning your health, including before beginning any exercise, weight loss, or healthcare program. If you have or suspect you may have a healthcare emergency, please contact a qualified healthcare professional for treatment. Any information or opinions provided by a guest expert or host featured within website or on company's podcast are their own, not those of Maria Menounos or the company. Accordingly, Maria Menounos and the company cannot be responsible for any results or consequences or actions you may take based on information or opinions. Hey, Heal Squad, we have been on quite the journey together, and we're hearing from so many of you just how much this show is helping you heal and get better, and it makes us feel so good. We love, love, love it, and we just ask that you don't keep it to yourself. Spread the message and share the show or your favorite episode with your friends. And if you want to help us even more, you can leave us a five-star rating and a comment on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and follow us on Instagram at Heal Squad. You can also DM us anytime because we love connecting with you. And finally, you can also join us on Patreon for our monthly live heal events with world-class healers and ad-free episodes exclusive only to Patreon and our Super Heal Squad for as little as $10 a month. So go to patreon.com backslash heel squad to join. Getting better isn't easy, friends, but as I say all the time, it's a whole lot easier if we can do it together. We love you all so much and we love doing this thing called life with you.